and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noah Fogel. My guest today is Barry Andrews, co-founder of the band Shreveback. Barry was the former keyboardist of the band XTC. He left after two albums. We discussed how he got into the band, why he left, and why he wasn't involved in the documentary XTC, This Is Pop. He formed Shreveback two years later with Dave Allen and Carl Marsh. They're most well known in the States for the song Nemesis. Check out the video for Nemesis. It's on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. We talk about it. They recently embarked on a European tour thanks to Kickstarter, and they're planning the U.S. tour through Kickstarter as well. It's about a week left to pledge. Go to kickstarter.com and search Shreveback. Here's my conversation with Barry. And helping me relive my youth today is Barry Andrews. Barry, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. No, good to be here. Okay, but before we you know, reminisce, I just want to talk about the, the present. And the band did a successful Kickstarter campaign in Europe to do, fund like, your initial setup and band rehearsal. Uh, what was that process like? It was pretty amazing, really. I was, you know, it's been sort of 25 to 30 years, depending how you reckon it, uh, since we'd been all together on a stage. And it was, yeah, it was firstly um, very exciting to be in a rehearsal room and working the tunes out again. Um, I'd forgotten how much fun it was. I sort of, um, I'd focused in a curmudgeonly way on how you have to move the gear around and how everybody plays too loud and it's feeding back and, oh God, do I really want to play Nemesis again? I hate it. So, and actually, um, when you get doing it, it's really good fun. So that was that was a sort of nice little epiphany I had. And as soon as we got on stage, it was um, really yeah, just just great fun, great fun to be um, jiggling around and sweating and screaming and shouting in front of a big crowd. I, I wondered why I'd left it so long. So the the tour is with the eight members from the Oil and Gold era, correct? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, eight piece, eight piece band. Right. So yeah. So that, that must have been like, like you said, it was a lot of fun to get back to get together. Are you guys working on a new album now as well? Yeah, we've almost finished it actually. Um, I, in fact, after um, I finished talking to you, I'm, uh, I'm getting in the car with the dog and driving down to the uh, the south coast where Martin and Carl are waiting, and we're going to uh, put the finishing touches to the record, list some mixes. And uh, yeah, so it should be should be coming out pretty soon. It's called, um, and you're the first person I've told this to. Ooh, exciting! Um, why anything? Why this? Oh, cool! Look forward to make, it. Make of that what you will. Yeah. Speaking of Martin and Carl, how did you first? How did you guys first get together way back when? Oh, way back when. Um, uh, well, Dave Allen from Gang of Four decided he wanted to create a band and I knew him a little bit through um, some mutual friends and then uh, Carl uh, saw an interview with Dave in the in the music press saying he was looking for some hip young gunslingers and Carl wrote him as he does a highly articulate letter explaining why he was that soldier mm-hmm. And um, so Carl started working, so it became me, Carl and Dave, and then after a while we decided to play live again, and um, I knew 
Martin through um, the sax player Claire Hurst, who I was seeing, uh, who was uh, in a band with Martin called The Emotional Spies. So I said, well, this guy is extremely handy drummer. We should get him in to do these gigs. So he, be, he became our live drummer. And that then sort of morphed around about the mid-80s into, um, into the four-piece three back, me, Dave, Carl, and mine. So, um, so what was like the initial inspiration for like the band's sound back then? Uh, for the sound, yeah, that's a good question. I suppose I'd been working on my own and with a, with a, uh, a band, sort of seminal group before that called Restaurant for Dogs. And that was the kind of sort of research and development area that, that morphed into Streetback. And um, well, I've been listening to a lot of funk, a lot of dub reggae, um, and starting to listen to world music. I used to get these albums from the Museum of Mankind in Piccadilly, so was, they'd all be kind of themed um, music of the desert nomads, music of the, uh, of the Inuit Eskimos, and so on. And that sort of opened my head a bit to the idea of music is really lots of things, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I suppose there was a kind of um, uh, sort of variety pack approach that we could do something that was a bit like that and a bit like this and borrow that sort of thing from reggae and borrowing that from the Inuit Eskimos. And I suppose that's really how you kind of develop a voice, really, isn't it? By um, just seeing what at the end of the day you, you end up being a fan of in the vast um, the vast corner shop of culture so was that some of the music you, you listened to growing up as well I suppose that, yeah some of that was it, it in, in there so, I mean, I've, I've started listening to music at a very young age it was the stuff that my parents played and my aunties and grandparents and that would tend to be um, 50s sort of, uh, well, kind of post-war. There was a big collection of 78 records. 78 is the speed of the record, right. for, for those who don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, these big shellac motherfuckers um, <laughs> that sort of shatter if you, if you look at it the wrong way. And things like um, Frankie Lane, The Kid's Last Fight, uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, um, 16 tons was very that was a very important uh, record to me the sort of darks of those clarinets and the, the finger pops and this this dark tone it almost sounds like sort of proto Nick Cave do you know it do you know the tune oh yeah totally yeah yeah uh, so yeah that's kind of stuck in the head and um, a few others Eamon Andrews shifting whispering sands um I suppose kind of 1940s, 1950s, popular, quite clunky, um, Tim Pan Alley music. I uh, got sort of thrown into the uh, thrown into the goulash. So, so then, as you're younger, you meet. Is that when you first met, like Andy Partridge, and when you first joined XTC, or how, how did that process come about? Well, the XTC thing was pretty much a, a function of all living in the same town and really it was, it was, a, it was a pretty kind of um, shallow gene pool of <laughs> musicians so if you were uh, in any way talented and ambitious there weren't that many groups you could hang out with with any prospect of getting anywhere 
Um, so yeah, we just kind of gravitated together, I guess, Andy, Colin, Terry, and myself. And um, it wasn't particularly a meeting of minds as far as I was concerned. <laughs> right. Uh, which is why it didn't last very long. But um, yeah, there was a lot of other things in common, which at that age, I guess, were, uh, were more important. And, for, and only for a while, obviously. Right. And then um, recently in America, they debuted the XCC documentary and you weren't in it. Was that intentional or you yeah, just didn't really care about it? The, the band didn't ask me to be in the production company right. asked me to be in it. And I just sort of thought nothing at all against the group. I just couldn't be bothered really. And I knew it was going to be probably more trouble um, than it seemed when they go, yeah, wouldn't we like you to be interviewed? Like, it would mean sort of going up to London and da, 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 and talking about these things that happened 30, 40 years ago. And I just thought, hey, do I really want to do this? And I decided no. And I feel like I'm too old and ugly to be doing things I don't want to do. So I just said no. So right. it. Yeah. But then I'd say about like maybe 12, 13 years ago, you collaborated again with uh, Andy. Was there any animosity after you left, and was there any contact oh, yeah, between? After, uh, well, after I left, it was sort of all right, really. But in, in the, the few months before I left, there was plenty of animosity. Right. There was <laughs> animosity for all. Um, but yeah, you know, it was like um, a load of people trapped in a sack who were all sinking to the bottom of the sea, and everyone sort of tearing at each other. But as soon as uh, we were freed from the metaphorical sack, it seemed to be fine. And um, I think also um, in the intervening period, working with Restaurant for Dogs and their street back, I had a lot more sympathy for what seemed like a kind of fascistic uh, approach from Andy. It was a bit more like, well, it's quite hard actually to, to run a band and to sort of be responsible for its aesthetic. And what you may not mean, what you may not need is some other guy coming in going, yeah, yeah, but let's, let's do something completely different. So I can sort of see it now, and um, yeah, it was, and it was fun to do the, the monstrance, which was pr pure improvisation with Martin for Street back and Andy, as you know. Yes. It was, um, yeah. I mean, that was that was kind of we're working on something going forward, oh, rather great. than digging around in things that happened forty years ago. That's that's the difference. Right. Oh, that's good. That's great. Now, I, I first discovered your Street back like pretty much most Americans with the Oil and Gold album and the video to Nemesis, which was, you yeah. know, well, you know, kid, it's great, you know, videos back then, big productions. Um, did you enjoy making that video? Totally fucking loved it,
take to make that video Thank you. 
said that movie was really good the the remake was shit but yeah the movie with the original was pretty my, good my my opinion entirely yeah that's right yeah so th- then you pretty much kind of were a Shrebeck by yourself pretty much right 
kind of come full circle then yeah circle life etc <laughs> yeah so how's the the band's sound kind of evolved over the years then uh well it's possibly too huge a question to <laughs> get right into but I, said, oh, I can tell you since over the last maybe sort of three or four albums I think we've gone from uh, what was necessarily a, a drum machine drum machine and loop driven thing into much more a I mean I, I think Martin on the new album Martin plays actual live drums on everything apart from one track um, and as a consequence there's a sort of uh, oh yeah, and also since we started in the live band we got in a uh, a bass player bass player proper bloke with a bass guitar a chap called Scott Firth oh from PLL uh, so, so he's the first um, actual bass player really we've had since Dave left back in the 90s um, and that's really made a big difference so there's Martin and Scott playing together as a unit as much more organic woody rock and roll you would have to say sort of a sort of a sound and approach so it's yeah it's, uh, it's in a new stage of evolution I would say for the group at the moment Right. And speaking of like evolution, the kind of music industry also has kind of evolved over the years. What's, what's your... Yeah, well, that's one word for it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, good or bad, but, um, like, what's like your thoughts it's on just... Integrated, how... some might say. Yeah, pretty much. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, in some ways, it's, uh, I think it's, you have to take the, um, the good bits with the bad bits, really. I, I mean, the fact that it's completely, uh, as a money-making thing, seems to have um, uh, shrunk humiliatingly. Uh, I think that's um, well. It's just made it very difficult to get by, and um, so we're having to use all various strategies, just like the, the crowdsourcing thing, and like selling a lot of merchandising, uh, putting out CDs and on our own label. Um, doing all that just to sort of keep body and soul together but um, on the plus side 
is that that sort of thing's possible because of the internet and because of computer technology that allows you to do a perfectly serviceable uh, professional selling record um, without having to go into a 300 pounds an hour calling studio. So yeah, I think it'd be churlish to um, to sort of diss technology and um, uh, these uh, social media uh, developments in every way. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a white knuckle ride, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and speaking of the crowdsourcing, we mentioned earlier that the the the, the European tour was you know crowdsourced. Now you're working on the American tour, which I'm very excited about. Um, how can fans contribute to that? Uh, yeah, well, you can uh, contribute to it by going uh, to... Uh, probably the quickest way to do it is just to go to Kickstarter and um, uh, search for Shriekback live in the USA. So the plan is we've got, um, I think, five or six gigs booked in the States for, um, for June. And we need to... We, having costed it out, we found out that it's going to uh, cost us after we've been paid fees for the gigs um, £66,000 to do. So it's a big ask and um, we've got about 20% of it at the moment. Um, so if we can get the rest of it, we'll be in the States in June, which would be pretty amazing. How? Um, what's the deadline for the uh, Kickstarter? I think we've got another uh, 27 days, something like that. All right, fans, get to work. Let's go. Plenty of time to liquidize your assets. Yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah, is one of those spots going to be in New York? Yes, I think it's uh, at the moment. This is not in concrete, but it's pretty close. It's uh, New York, Philly, uh, Chicago, uh, L.A., San Juan Capistrano, and um, uh, San Diego. Oh, great. So like when when you when you guys performed in the states early on, where are some of your favorite places to perform? Oh, uh, well, I, I sort of have to include Canada. And there's some uh, really fun gigs in Canada, in Toronto, Montreal, right. and Vancouver were really great. In the states, yeah, New York was always a blast. Chicago, um, Minneapolis actually was always very good for us, um, and San Fran. Lots of, uh, lots of hooligan nights in San Francisco. Right. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Minneapolis. I've been there for work a couple of times. It's, it's a fantastic uh, music, uh, music city. People don't realize yeah, yeah. that. Well, of course, uh, especially at the time, it was it was Prince's Town, wasn't right. it? So, um, it was, we ended up in 92 when we came back to the Sacred City tour. Uh, we ended up rehearsing in Paisley Park. And... Uh, Dave was wandering around quite pissed um, and man, managed to wander into the, the wrong part of the rehearsal complex into into Prince's private sanctum. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he saw this little guy sort of sitting in a chair and uh, smelled this waft of perfume and then two enormous security guards said, uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Dragged him out. Oh, that's, that's funny. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, one more question. Um, where can where can the fans find you guys on social media? Uh, well, the, the, the hub of it all is, unsurprisingly, streetback.com. 
So shootback.com, you can buy stuff. Um, quite a few CDs and T-shirts and things of that ilk are there. And you can connect from there to our blog, which is on t- Tumblr. Um, and uh, what else? What have I left out? There is a there is a Twitter thing, but we don't tend to use it much. Um, and then there's a Facebook page, of course, it's just Shrewdback Facebook. I suppose the other important thing is if you go to streetback.com and you give us your email or the mailing list, then you'll be kept up to date uh, in um, in all aspects of our um, activities in the future. All right. Barry, thanks for a few minutes today, and I really hope the Kickstarter campaign works out for you guys. Thanks, Noel. Hope to see you in the flesh maybe in June. You never know. And a special thanks to Barry for joining us today. Let's hope they get enough for the Kickstarter and they can come tour in the U.S. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel 19 Be sure to like the page for Living My Youth on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and also while you're there, rate and review it. A special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Reliving My Youth real soon. This is the sound of poisons The sickness no one knows No one is crying for us this time As shapes are blurring under miracles of snow Weave a circle around him three times You have to plan your moves at these times Our hearts are breaking song to go These eyes are blind This is a pure thing These hands I kiss Tragic as anything These eyes are blind This is a pure thing A splash and hiss Beyond my measuring
These fading flowers, precious as memory, a veil of cloud, correct as energy. We had some good machines, but they don't work no more. I loved you once, don't love you anymore. 